Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. A Gospel reading from the 14th chapter of John. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you that I have said to you all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Grace and peace to you, my friends in, in Christ. There's an old African proverb that goes, if you want to go quickly... Go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Uh, Reverend Dr. Caroline Lewis, she came here a couple of years ago on Women of Faith Sunday. She said, as, as kind of reflecting on this idea of going places together, she said the, the resurrection of Jesus promises lifelong companionship with Jesus and with God. She said, I wonder to what extent our fear of death is not a fear of tombs or graves or urns, but that there just might be some consciousness of being alone. She said, notice that so much of our resurrection Im imagination is about reunion, that we will be with our loved ones again and we're not meant to live companionless. Yet so many of us do. It's kind of with this sentiment in mind that I've been really thinking about why this whole model of the tiny houses was something that kind of caught my imagination and caught our collective imagination as a church. Because when I first heard about this, with the whole uh, community first model, it was almost two years ago now, and I heard the founder, Gabrielle Claudis, talking about it. And she's from Settled, and we've heard, uh, she's been here uh, numerous times with, with her partner of, at Settled with Anne. And they've come here and they've talked about this model. And, and one of the things that Gabrielle said the very first time that I heard this was she talked about people who are experiencing chronic homelessness usually have one thing in common, and it's a catastrophic loss of community. 
There's a loss of companionship. There's a loss of people who are part of their lives. And so something about that phrase really hit me. And I thought about how as a church, companionship's what we are all about. This is what we do together. And so as a church, how can we not look for ways to step in and provide that, that community for each other? Now, I know it sounded radical and unorthodox probably the first time you heard about it. That's how I felt too. Maybe it still sounds radical and unorthodox, this idea of tiny houses. But it's really nothing new if you think about it. Churches have been engaged in this type of companionship ministry for years, centuries, honestly. In fact, Faith Lutheran has been engaged in companionship ministry like this for years. We've just done it in different ways. I mean, think back to 1949, for example. Back in 1949, there was a family from Latvia, the, the Calls family, and they were refugees who came over to America, and Faith Lutheran hosted a welcome party for them. They had a shower, you know, there was a shower, and, and all of the proceeds from that shower helped to furnish the Calls home. A few years later, more of the Calls family was able to come over here. And so by the time they got here, we'd already had that relationship and we adopted that family too and they were all part of this community. Which also planted the seed for something 30 years later when the Vang family was, was coming over here. And in, this congregation voted and said, we would like to sponsor this family. And so what Faith did was we, we donated clothing and furniture items and provided housing even in one of our parsonages. But an interesting little tidbit is the fact that there was a vote. The congregation decided, let's have a vote to see if we support this ministry. And the vote went 177 to 101. Only about 64% in support of just being able to walk alongside a refugee family. Yet after this family arrived, several of the Vang family members were employed on the custodial staff here at Faith, and that relationship was strong for many, many years. I think about the next generation to come, and we think about how groups from Faith started making trips over to Oringa, Tanzania, especially under the guidance of Pastor Don Fultz. And Don came and actually shared a lot of these stories a few weeks ago for Will Carlson's uh, celebration of life at his funeral. And it was just great to hear some of these memories of this relationship with Oringa. And the organization that was formed was called Bega Qua Bega, literally shoulder to shoulder. It's this relational ministry that is so important within our group of churches here in St. Paul to this day. And that ministry is a very important essential uh, companionship ministry that we have with Iringa. Fast forward again to the early 2000s and this congregation began starting having conversations about what it would look like to have an addition to this building. You know, things, you know, we were bursting at the seams and we needed to be able to have more space. So the gym, the second floor on the uh, education wing, you think about even the fact that some of the bathrooms that were designed have showers in them because there was a possibility at one point that our congregation might be able to, to do an emergency shelter or to be able to do some homeless, homeless ministry uh, along the way. And while that never specifically ended up happening, there was a lot of energy from faith, faith members at the time, and that led to some conversations and some partnering with other churches in the Forest Lake area. And so there was something that formed called the Forest Lake Area Mission for Families, which rolls off the tongue a whole lot better as FLAMF. Okay, now FLAMP is no longer 
around because a lot of the work that they did was able to spark what happened with becoming major leaders in the, in the uh, partnership with St. Andrews and building the Hugo Family Shelter. That was the true goal of that organization was to be able to have a family shelter. And so that, uh, that ended up getting uh, established just a couple of years ago. And what a celebration as we continue to be part of that. We continue to have weeks where we are hosts or providing meals or we have some great leadership there. And I want us to think about each of these situations that I just brought up. You know, each of these, you know, each generation, we've kind of had these different things that we've, we've really invested in. And I think something that was in common for each of those was there was a companionship element to that model of ministry. None of these ministries were just like, hey, you're over there and we're just going to be all the way over here. There was, there was this reciprocal relationship. And each of these ministries had some obstacles and challenges in order to be able to, to do the work that we needed to do, to do. There was leaders who stepped up and encouraged others to take part and to invest in these ministries. And the question that I really come down to is why? Why did these leaders step up? Well, it's because people matter. It's because people at faith saw the value in standing with other people and truly living out our calling and truly living out what it means to be people of God, to see the humanity in all of us and realize that we all have a relationship with each other and that companionship is such an important part of what we are doing. It's what faith is all about. So as we look at this, and, and here we are, we're, we're in the middle of this uh, Lenten discussion where we're talking about all of the ways that we can address an issue. So we've talked about direct service, and we, last week we talked about education, this week we're on advocacy. And one of the things that you'll notice about all of the, the examples that I gave at the beginning of my message was almost every single one of those eventually became direct action organizing. And, and the reason they did is because there were advocates along the way to make those things happen. And if we're talking about tiny houses and we're talking about the ministry of, of a sacred settlement, we are not at direct action organizing here at Faith Lutheran quite yet. Now, we've done a lot of work, but we are still in this advocacy, advocacy stage. We are still looking at what could happen. And I'll just tell you what, you know, I've been so excited to talk about this topic you know, as this service was getting planned and as, this, as we were talking about ways to, to do uh, community organizing, I was really excited to talk about advocacy. I couldn't wait to tell you about some of the things that I've been up to. You see, since the first week of January, I've actually been involved and working directly with uh, the JRLC, the Joint Religious Legislative Coalition. Yep, that rolls off your tongue almost as easily as flamp. Okay, but JRLC has been a great partner for us and for Settled as, as we've been... Uh, in direct collaboration with our, our representatives and our senators from our state. And so one of the things that I've been able to do is to communicate directly with members of the House and Senate and start talking about adjustments that could be, could be made to the legislation regarding tiny houses. One of the cool parts about this legislation is that by recognizing tiny houses or micro units as permanent dwelling places, churches and religious organizations, for example, even like native land in, in, on our reservations, that they would be able to remove one of those barriers that is currently in the law that would allow churches and holy places to be able to have sacred settlements on their land and in this holy kind of way. And so the path to tiny houses here at Faith, I, I just want to also point out, it's still a ways off. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered. We are still in that advocacy stage, but we're also still in that exploratory phase. And realistically, it's going to take a lot of work for that to be able to happen here. However, there is another church in St. Paul that is 
almost ready to go. And because of a lot of the advocacy work and a lot of the, the attention that our church has been able to bring to it, this church is so much further along the way and they are almost ready to be able to launch. And so they had representatives join me as well this last month as we were testifying before the house. And we went before the Preventing Homelessness Committee and they listened to this and they passed this legislation unanimously. And so then it went to another uh, committee. And again, unanimous bipartisan support as it was passed. And so this past Wednesday, the House was scheduled to have their final committee review it before that bill would then go to the House floor. And then that would get uh, in front of the entire House. Also this past Wednesday, in the Senate, which the key author, the the lead author on this bill is our own uh, Senator Karen Housley, they were ready to have that bill presented before committee, and then they would be able to advance this uh, to, that, to the floor for a vote as well. And so members of our Sacred Settlement uh, Development Committee and our council and friends of them, you know, they, they were like, hey, send stuff to our legislators. So we were sending stuff to Rep, uh, Representative Detmer and, and Senator Housley and telling them how important this ministry is and how thankful we are for their advocacy as we are trying to get this law passed. But at the very last minute, the bill got pulled from the House before it could even go to the Senate. But the, the bill's not dead, it's just postponed. You see, there was a discrepancy in one of the last drafts of the bill. And so one of the, one of the key details about this was how many people would be considered missionals and what was the percentage within, a, within that development where people who, who were missionals. And this is what we've talked about. The missionals are people who haven't experienced homelessness but have felt this calling to live amongst the poor, to live amongst the unsheltered, to say, I want to be a neighbor to you. And so this got pulled because the, the language just wasn't quite right. And more time was needed to be able to make sure that the specifics were dealt with because Blazing forward without the right details would have actually resulted in a bill that didn't truly meet the needs of what we've been lobbying for. Now, I know the changes might seem small and insignificant, but the impact was big enough that JRLC wanted to get it right. Kind of like that African proverb, you know, I think the bill could have been passed if we wanted to, if, if we would have just moved quickly. But the opportunity now is that there can be more collaboration. As I've been talking with JRLC, we're excited because this is an opportunity to expand the team, to try to get more people to go on this journey with us, to start talking to legislators across the state and, and religious organizations in their districts and start telling them about the need for sacred settlements and to talk about the need for missionals to be in those communities. We know that this is going to pass eventually because we're going to be able to work together. As I've been dealing with, uh, with JRLC, their executive director, Ann Krisnick, had this to say as kind of a response to all of us. She said, look, I, I know it can feel like your calls or emails weren't successful because the bill didn't pass this session, but that's not true at all. She said, we've built lots of awareness for this model of faith communities addressing homelessness, and it's had support from legislators who are Democrats and Republicans and independents, all the way from up on the Iron Range to here in Forest Lake and across the metro. People are talking about this idea, and it's great to spread the word. Our elected officials are seeing the value of this work. And here's her word of encouragement. She wanted to thank all of us who are helping to build awareness for this movement. But I'm not going to lie. I'll, I have to admit that when I first heard the news that the bill is getting pulled, I was really bummed. I've been on probably 15 to 20 Zoom calls with legislators over the last couple of months. I mean, it's been phenomenal to see 
this level of engagement and how excited the legislators have been in this opportunity to be able to provide a solution and how excited they are that the church wants to be part of it, that it's not just, okay, government, you fix the problem. It's churches, let's walk alongside this issue of chronic homelessness, to, to walk alongside those who've been unsheltered and say, we are in this together. We know that the advocacy work isn't over yet either. This is probably honestly just the beginning and the work is worth it. Because it means that we as the church are helping to contribute to the housing solutions. It means that we are looking and seeing too many of our neighbors who are out there feeling orphaned. And it's unacceptable. Jesus pointed out to his disciples that he wouldn't leave them orphaned. That they would never be alone. So what are we doing to reach out to those who need a friend or need a home? Are we willing to advocate for companionship, for belonging, for community. We all have a shared feeling over this past year, don't we? If anything can be said about this pandemic, it's that the isolation, the loneliness, it's real. Why are we so anxious to return to normal? It's because we miss each other. True, true companionship is hard to find, friends. Where we hope for it, it fails us. Where we trusted in it, it deserts us. Where we count on it, it leaves us. Ah, but the promise of resurrection. Because what's the truth of the resurrection? Companionship is for life. We will never be orphaned. Knowing all that Christ has done for us makes some of these setbacks with the advocacy just feel like minor bumps in the road. But the work that we are doing as a congregation, it's important. It's life-giving. Not just for those that we hope to help, but for our hearts as well. And we know that together, we do go farther. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.